0: What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sap here. It is September 10th, technically, even though we'll have this listed as the September 9th show. I'm here with Showdown Joe Ferraro. We are talking UFC 215. Joe, plenty to talk about tonight. Oh,
2: controversies. Yeah, controversy, fantastic performances, systematic performances, uh, beatdowns. Referees should have been stopping fights earlier. Uh, retirements, guys hanging we,
0: up their gloves. You, you know, you know what I think it'll take. Maybe somebody dying under the watch of Edmonton before they fix. Oh, wait, no. Evidently, that won't do it. They, yeah. they, they want more people to die in in hand to hand combat. Apparently. Well, I
2: know referee uh, Kyle Cardinal uh, pretty well, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm surprised uh, as to how that fight. Continued to take place um, with Gavin Tucker and Rick Glenn. I, it, it just kind of was it was surprising to me, considering what happened with Tim Haig there, that I thought maybe they would actually be "quote unquote" jumping the gun to stop fights a little earlier because of the circumstances. Wouldn't been surprised if you know Big John McCarthy and the team were kind of telling the fighters or spoke to the fighters and the management, like guys, look, we usually don't do this, but considering the circumstances, you better defend yourself, or we're really going to have to stop these fights. So. Very surprised. Very surprised how it went down like that.
0: Yeah, there were there were a couple of instances on this show where I think that things looked a little bit rough, and the the Sarah Morass armbar where she had the, she let it go, still dislocated an elbow, and then the ref was like, "Ah, I see you got this taken care of," type of thing. That that was rough, but uh, yeah, we have a, a championship fight. We have not a championship fight. We have a guy who might be competing in a championship fight pretty soon. Mm-hmm. So this the the far reaching impact of this show will be felt for a while, but um I I saw former WWE wrestler Shane Helms tweet out this is the show that, this is a show that you might lose fans on. And I kind of agree with him. I don't know if you would lose fans.
2: I think I think I know where Shane's going with this, but I don't know if you would lose fans with this show because the fans that would have bought this show are the hardcore fans or the fans that are already in tune with watching this UFC event or this type of UFC event, the caliber of this type of pay-per-view. Uh, it's not one of those, it's not a Conor McGregor card or a George St. Pierre card where that type of fight would have been quote unquote boring or controversial uh, or whatever. And then you lose that mainstream fan. I think the fans that bought this pay-per-view are going to be UFC fans nonetheless.
0: Guys, if you all want to submit questions, head over to fightful.com or fightfulpods.com. Go to our podcast page there, submit questions, or you can start a thread over on Fightful.com. We have all your news, results, videos, photos. We're going to have live tweets coming from the post-Fight Press Conference from Carlos Toro. Post-Hurricane Irma, Carlos Toro, getting it done. Uh, calling out the rest of my team. Nobody accepted assignments this weekend except for a guy in a, in a hurricane. So shout outs to Carlos Toro. Uh, <laughs> so crazy. Me And David T's the only other ones doing, doing our work and who knows I'm going to Orlando next week. So maybe I'm eating that hurricane too. Well, yeah, so, uh, I, was,
2: I was supposed to go to Florida for uh, for the next Titan event. Uh, they postponed the event because they don't know what the infrastructure of Florida is going to be like. The event was supposed to take place September 29th, mm-hmm. I believe. That's what I that's what I uh, promoted on the uh, on the pay per view broadcast or on the uh, UFC Fight Pass broadcast. But in, uh, I, I contacted Lex to make sure he, that they were safe down there. Obviously, Jay Z and uh, and everybody down there, and. I... I was kind of going to bring up the fact that, hey man, do I book the flight? Do I do it or not? But I didn't say anything. He's like, "Look, dude, based on what's going to happen here with Hurricane Irma, let's just postpone the show for now and deal with what happens with any in- infrastructure here." I'm like, "Dude, no problem, man. It's all good. Be safe down there."
0: Yeah, I man, that's unfortunate to hear. I mean, I'm supposed to be there next week. I hope. I just I hope it all works out. Honestly, yeah. A bummer, well, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll know by my tomorrow morning, with- right?
2: Like we'll know by tomorrow morning is that, that's when Irma's supposed to hit really hard. Yeah,
0: hopefully everybody there is doing okay. Yeah, knock on wood. Yep. But uh, where do you want to start, main event?
2: Main event, main event. I mean, there's, there, there's. I mean, I'm looking at the uh, the live chat right now, guys. If you if you're listening in, tuned in right now, live chat on the top right of your screen on the YouTube page, and and there is some some discussion as to who won. A lot of people are saying Shevchenko won. Uh, easily could have made that argument. I thought Shevchenko's post fight interview was absolutely fantastic and classic. She just lost her shit. I mean, that was amazing, in my opinion. Um, But that fifth round, I think, was the deciding round, per se. Each round was pretty close. I saw your scorecards uh, on Twitter. Uh, I pretty much agreed with them all. Um, That last round, Sean, could have went either way because, you know, Amanda did get the takedown but didn't do anything with it. While Shevchenko was on the bottom – kind of being active but those aren't punches that are going to finish a fight. So it's just a weird round to score. So I can understand how two of the judges went one way, another judge so went the you, other way. So
0: how do you score that takedown when it leads to Shevchenko landing, maybe maybe Nuñez landed two or three strikes, maybe and Shevchenko landed probably 10 or 11? Yeah. Out of yeah. That? It's,
2: it's so tough to score because you look at that type of situation and you go, okay, so in the stand-up realm, you're trying to finish the fight. Your striking is trying to cause damage and trying to finish the fight. You take an opponent down to the ground, now you are in control of where the fight is going to take place. Now that you've got control, what are you going to do to finish the fight? Because when you control someone, you've, do, you've either got to advance your position or continue to, to, to and, and finish them. Amanda didn't do that. But with Shevchenko on her back, she's not going to finish Amanda by throwing those strikes. So it's almost a a neutralization point where you go back to the point where Amanda did take her down, but she didn't do anything. So she took control of the fight, but didn't do anything with it. It's a weird round to score.
0: Yeah, the fight, I had round one Nunez, round two Shevchenko on the back of Superman punches in 2017, which is crazy. Because I don't remember, you, you never see Superman punches in the UFC, let alone the very, very high levels of the UFC. Uh, Third round, I noticed that cut on Valentina's left shin, and she had used no energy, and Nunez had conserved her energy fairly well, uh, too. Nunez really took advantage of Valentina not being mobile by landing leg kicks and took the round. Round four saw a lot of counter strikes from uh, Valentina, which I thought was the clearest round of the fight, was that round four for Shevchenko. And then in the fifth, I thought Shevchenko outstruck Nunez. And then when Nunez landed that takedown, Shevchenko did more. So I had it Shevchenko. I'm not like outraged or anything. I know one thing. If you were to tell me that Shevchenko and Joanna were to fight at 125, I'm picking Joanna to saw through Shevchenko's legs all day the way that she fought against uh, Nunez. Because, yeah,
2: I saw you mention that tweet. My only rebuttal to that, Sean, was or is. In a fight, if if Shevchenko and and Ioana are going to fight, you got to figure that Shevchenko is going to change her game plan. Sure. Because it's a different fighter. If she was to do that versus uh, Joanna, those legs would be, you know, what would happen to Gilbert Melendez would be the same thing that would happen to Shevchenko. I mean, she would just get eaten alive uh, by those leg kicks. But at the same time, different fight. MMA math kind of works uh, in a different way. But at the same time, I, I, I get your point there. I'm wondering now if Shevchenko is going to go look back at that first round. I'm like, I should have gave her that first round. I shouldn't have been as tentative. Because uh, I mean, everybody including you and I and everyone probably in the chat and everyone that's ever watched MMA or watched Nunes fight, Automatically assumed that Shevchenko or that that Amanda was going to come out and be explosive uh, in that first or uh, first round and at least the first two minutes of the second round. That wasn't necessarily the case. So while Valentina was sitting there trying to be tentative and trying to counterpunch, which is which is what she's really good at, it didn't really work out in her favor because she didn't do anything. I think you scored a ten nothing round one. I was laughing about I, that. I, there was a typo. Okay. <laughs> well, Freudian slip, right? So yeah, I gotcha.
0: Yeah, and after, after we saw Shevchenko dispose of Pena the way that she did, you know, many people, they questioned like may, maybe Shevchenko was going to be the aggressor. And I thought based on how their first fight went with, with Nunez, I didn't think there was any chance of that. I thought she was really going to test the cardio of Nunez. I think Nunez knew that too. As we'll find out later on with the Ray Borg stuff, fighters are the most sensitive people on earth. And Nunez immediately went over and started to yell at the commentary team, like, how dare you question what my strengths and weaknesses may be by wondering aloud on air, as is your job, if my cardio is up to par because I've never been past the third round before. Yeah,
2: no, that that was kind of... Uh, we are, but I've, I've told you before, I've seen Amanda uh, maybe four or five times, or at four or five different Titan events. She runs the show uh, in the public there in front of all the fans, but she does operate in a bit of a different frequency. You've heard me say that before. Uh, so, yeah, doing that, that, that was kind of weird. I mean, they're, they're, they're just doing their job. Uh, I'm looking at some of the comments in the live chat there. Justin H said Shevchenko was nervous. That's why, Joe, you could tell she had some cold feet. T- to Justin's point, and I don't know if you noticed this, Sean. Did you notice when when Buffer was making the announcement for Shevchenko, or not the announcement, the um, introduction at the beginning of the fight, Shevchenko and her corner did not look like very confident people going into this fight. They looked like there was something that was wrong, something was up. Whereas when you look at uh, Amanda's corner, they're amped up, they're ready to go, and Amanda's just getting loosened up. So I did notice something kind of strange, something kind of weird from Valentina's side. But nervous, I don't know. I think maybe something else was wrong. I don't know. I mean, I know every fighter, uh, and those those guys, girls, anyone that tells you they're not nervous before a fight, they all are. Okay, they all are. They just, I mean, George always called it when he told me before, he's like, he, all the butterflies you feel, you just got to put them uh, sort of in, in a pattern. I mean, Elias and Sean Pearson and uh, Frank Trigg, Matt Hughes has told me this. That they're always nervous before a fight, um, but not not scared per se not not, not even nerves they're ready they're just anxious if that makes sense so there was something up with Justin right or or there's Justin. sorry Justin there was something up with Valentina in her corner it was kind of weird I mean did you notice it
0: yeah and I also noticed that Nunez was like fist bumping Bruce Buffer (laughs) before her intro yeah and also another thing I noticed was how like aggressive and angry Nunez was in the corner between round three and four like she was sick of of this this uh of the tentative game also i noticed a like a as david Bixon's span said a thinly veiled like timidity warning from big john mccarthy at the beginning of round 5 and i didn't think that was really called for was the fight inactive at times yeah but no more so than any any other fights that I've seen. I mean, it wasn't like Tyron Woodley fight or anything like that. So they, yeah, but it's, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. The other thing with big John McCarthy is he was warning Amanda a lot
2: about the hand up, the hand up, the finger up. Now that that's something I want to discuss with you because I would never, uh, I, I'm a certified ref, but I would never take a point away from a fighter who continued to do that because of two things. You're not really hurting your opponent. Okay, so I, I would warn, and I would warn, and I would, I, I maybe stop the fight, and I would warn against say, Listen, you got to stop doing that because you're going to, you could potentially cause damage to your opponent. There could be a an eye poke. but you're not really doing, in my opinion, anything technically. It is sort of against the rules, yeah, it is, but it's not. you're not hurting your opponent. Now, if that finger goes in the eye, uh, it's an instant, 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 instant uh, one-point deduction because I've warned you X amount of times. So, I mean, what do you think of that whole situation with, with uh, Big John McCarthy and, and telling Amanda, hey, you need to stop that?
0: So, I, I agree with you. I wouldn't take a point away for that. But if I had warned her, then she poked Shevchenko, then you take a point away. Uh, Even if like, cause you know, a lot, and a lot of refs would wait until like the second I poke. No, no. Once you warn them, that's the warning. Like even if they haven't poked anybody prior, once that poke happens, that's when you take a point away, but Nunez never did that. So I yeah, no no reason to take a point, but the warning, I understand. I'm glad that he, uh, I'm glad that he warned uh, Nunez about that too. And we got people asking, what did Amanda do to keep the belt? It doesn't matter. Like, I don't think that this is an overall, like, endorsement of her performance. She won three rounds on a a couple of scorecards. That's it. I mean, if you're asking me if this were Pride scoring who won this fight, I would say Valentina Shevchenko, and it's probably not even close. But uh, Or maybe it's close. I would have it, like, 10-9 overall. But it wouldn't have even been a hesitation for me as it pertains to a 10-9 must system across 5 rounds i got Shevchenko winning it but it was not like it, it was it was close in that regard now we got the question of where do each of these women go from here because there ain't nothing at bantamweight except for Raquel Pennington who's won 4 in a row joe let's take a look at these rankings because it is a clown car <laughs> <laughs> Misha Tate ain't fighting again. And she, you know, she got beat for the title last year. Ronda Rousey's probably never fighting again. Shevchenko's lost to Nunez twice. Holly Holm, by all indications, is the one to fight Cyborg. They Right now, it's good to be Holly Holm because you probably got your choice of two titles. Sarah McMahon just lost, and boy, will we talk about that later. Kat Zingano hasn't uh, fought or hasn't won in almost three years hasn't uh, fought in uh, 14 months and hasn't won since before her, her last UFC title shot. Jermaine Durandamy is not in the favor of the UFC right now and just had hand surgery. Liz Carmouche just never fights. Other, you know she could put together one more win, I'm sure they would entertain that idea. And Alexis Davis can't win a couple in a row either. Really, all you got is Pennington. That's it. Pennington or home. And it's all dependent on what home wants to do. And I get the feeling UFC would much rather her fight cyborg.
2: Yeah, I think Holmes going to try and, uh, well, it all depends on, on what home wants to do as well. But uh, I think that cyborg fight and Holly home fight it would be absolutely huge uh, for the UFC. I think that'd be great. That'd be fantastic. And I think it'd be good for, but like I said, Holly's got options. You know, um, you know. I, I think we need to pay some strict attention to, to, to Caitlin Vieira. Uh, as to what she did tonight with Sarah McMahon. I mean, if anybody... I think the biggest loser on this card isn't the fact that Shevchenko did not emerge victorious. It's Sarah McMahon. Because if there was ever a golden opportunity to get that title shot, it was tonight. And live by the sword, die by the sword. She loses via arm triangle choke uh, to Caitlin Vera. And and people were kind of like, oh my God, how can you tap out to that? Watch the replay. And watch the spit come out of Sarah McMahon's mouth right before she taps. And if you've ever been choked before... Uh, it doesn't matter what type of choke. I think the only choke that that you might not get spit out of would be a a, a good rear naked. Like a Kenny Florian put on a rear naked on me one time. That was one of the tightest rear nakeds I've ever been in. Uh, You're usually getting some foam if you're trying to fight it. You either go extremely dry, right in the trachea, like really, really dry, or you get this, whatever, whatever saliva was in your mouth starts coming out. And you saw that with Sarah McMahon, and it was just like, I can't believe she's tapping to this. So... Let's go ahead. Let's
0: go ahead and talk about that. I mean, Vieira. I thought McMahon won that first round. Then Vieira surprised. Like you could hear from the crowd, they were surprised with that body lock takedown that she landed. That then you, she timed that beautifully. Used, she used what has become Sarah McMahon's signature submission against her, but really varied it up, going across the body with that arm triangle. Not only that, but her body her body was up against the cage, so it's hard sometimes to get leverage on that because you would like to scoot over. To where your whole body is on one side of your opponent and then walk your body up like we saw Martin Campman do. Like if you can't figure out how that submission works by watching the Martin Campman submission, like it was a tutorial without saying a word. Like it was (laughs) it was it was magnificent. I think McMahon won it out. And she has this thing where she gets in really bad positions and she goes blank, Joe. That's been a situation that has undone her for her career. And Vieira did a lot of the same during the first. She was happy to just stay in guard. And even when, but then McMahon moved to Mount and Vieira was able to slow that down. And it's almost like with McMahon and Mount, Vieira knew that she still had a real good shot. And the thing is, McMahon stood a decent shot of maybe earning a title shot with a win. Now it would have helped a lot more had she won and uh, Shevchenko won. And that's probably a fight they could go to in the future, uh, McMahon and Shevchenko. But uh, Vieira, she's got, a, I don't want to say got a name about her or anything like that, but she is a bigger girl. I, I wonder if she'll be able to make the 135.0, you know, the 134.9 limit that that is required to contend for a title if she ever gets that opportunity. But she's won three in a row and. If Cyborg needed an opponent, you could put her out there.
2: Absolutely. I think one of the most important things you mentioned um, in your analogy there was the leverage. Because I didn't have a t- I didn't have time to rewatch the uh, the finish because I was trying to catch up. Uh, anyone that follows my social media, uh, I was at the Jays game today. Took my son to his very first Blue Jay game. So by the time we got back, and Sean knows what it's like uh, to be in Toronto after a Jays game, the mayhem. Uh, it's a long drive for me, so I was catching up. And when I saw the submission, I watched the replay again. But I had to catch up because the pay per view had already started. Um, I was looking for the leverage. You mentioned leverage. I was looking for the leverage. Where did Vera have the leverage to really get that squeeze on? Because that, the, technically speaking, when you put on a head, uh, a head, an arm choke like that, or an arm triangle choke, you need to be off to the side. Uh, there's there's a bunch of different ways you can use leverage. I mean, one of the easiest ways that I was taught was when you have the when you, you you've got the cup in. Um, when you're driving you can drive your shoulder in i mean i i know fighters that would do it on their knees uh henzo gracie one time taught us to be on our toes but you have to drive through that shoulder while cranking in to your own so you're just basically putting on this crazy squeeze i was looking for the leverage with Vieira and i was like where is this coming from but the squeeze is fantastic because of the sp- again the spit coming out of uh, mcmahon's mouth. so i would love to watch it again and to see that but yeah i think you're bang on i mean i I think she could lose that extra pound uh, to get a title shot. But, uh, I mean, we're, we're throwing it out there right now because all, all we can really say is Pennington or home. Um, but Vieira does have to win, uh, you know, a few more fights. Uh, not a few more fights, at least one or two fights before she's even in that title picture. Um, do you think at any, there's any chance, and I know it's slim, but I'm going to ask you anyways, do you think there's any chance the UFC would do a, a trilogy fight with Shevchenko and uh, Nunes?
0: I don't think so based on the fact that Dana White didn't want this to headline anyway and this fight wasn't exactly a banger and I get the feeling it's not going to draw that well it didn't I know it didn't at, in Edmonton but it's rough it, it's it's rough I don't think they'll run a trilogy I think that they'll find out what Holly Holm wants to do Tyron Woodley has been pushing Amanda Nunes to to fight Chris Cyborg. What do you think about that? Sold. Dude, yeah. You, you, don't, you don't have to even do anything. Sold. I mean, Cyborg's like, I don't know. I, I don't want, want to fight, fight Brazilians. Brazilians. Yeah, that makes or sense. Or anybody that might beat me. One of those things. I don't think Amanda Nunes cares. Amanda Nunes would fight her. Drop that. She knows it's a good payday. Oh, yeah. But I think a lot of it depends on Holly Holm, and that's pretty crazy considering that Holly Holm Is like, what, one in three in her last four fights, and she holds a lot of cards right now? Shevchenko, what happens with her? Does she fight at 135 or 125?
2: Uh, Next fight, I think she would be at 125. Uh, She may not agree to that right now because there's a fair amount of disdain uh, that she's sensing right now or feeling right now based on what happened with this. So um, you ask her now, she'll she'll fight 135.
0: The 135 division is going to be so good. I can't yeah. wait
2: for that division.
0: It's it's going to be insane. So you've been watching the Ultimate Fighter at all? I missed like I didn't set my DVR, so I've missed the first two fights. Was thrilled to see that Roxanne Modafferi won her. How funny is that? How funny yeah. is that? I actually I was speaking to Jessamyn Duke recently, and I was like, "What would you have done if?" Three and a half years ago, I, when you entered the Ultimate Fighter House, that I were I, I would tell you that you and Shayna would be pretty much out of MMA and working a, a big WWE angle and that Roxanne Modafferi would be the odds on favorite to become a UFC champion. I was like, nobody would have thought that. Like nobody would have seen that coming. Roxanne, who looked like after that finale, I was like, God, she she was one of the first people that I saw. And didn't know personally, but I was like, she's too nice. I don't want to see her get beaten up anymore. i got to see her retire. I was like, maybe UFC could make her like the the in-cage Japanese translator or something because she would have been fantastic at that. And then she got with a real camp, and man, she has turned her career around, and she's a good fighter now. She is fun to watch. She is a little bit scary (laughs) when she gets in there because you couldn't have imagined her being such a relentless finisher, but... Very, very good to see. And then you got Paige Van Zant fighting at that weight. You got Joanne Calderwood. You got you got a couple right there. That's two decent names that you have already competing in that division, and that just thrills me. It makes me so happy. Yeah. So Shevchenko is going to have some options as well.
2: Uh, I think a lot of these ladies are going to have options once that 125 is like truly, truly, truly official. Mm-hmm. We're going to see some fluctuations. You know, I oh, think
0: 125 was- and 145 both because. If you get two wins in a row at one thirty five you might be able to contend for a title at one forty five yeah, yeah, you're bang on, yeah no, I got gotcha.
2: you i got gotcha. you
0: let let's talk about the, the the flyweight championship fight that didn't happen
2: uh that's it's it's hard i don't know when I got the news that that Borg was out, and I said to myself, "Are you kidding me is this really happening?" Like, why does this keep happening over and over again? Uh, not just with Borg, I'm not saying with Borg, but just in general. Like, oh my goodness, can we just, like, like last second changes? Why? I don't get it, but you've, you've had some, uh, uh, an interesting, what, t- 12 hours with Ray Borg in general?
0: It was, like, it was about a one-hour window. What happened okay. <laughs> was <laughs> okay. UFC on Fox tweeted a video of Tyron Woodley, talking about it was a talking point that that i think karen bryant or karen bryant or somebody gave to them should mighty mouse wait for ray Borg? and in the video tyron woodley said if this were a habitual thing if he were a repeat offender then i would say no but he's not Uh, but ray borg is he has and and i tagged tyron woodley and i said tyron since ufc 201 ray borg has missed weight or pulled out of five of his seven scheduled fights, including this one. And Tyron was a good sport about it. He said, why aren't you in my ear giving me stats? Ray did not enjoy it. And it was a lot of deflection, and he went at me, and of course he hit me with the, why don't I report a bunch of wrong shit while you come and cut weight? And I'm like, all right, well, cutting weight's not my job, but if it was, I would do it and I would make weight, and I would do it safely. Also, if you want to do my job, you can't misspell words like you did in that tweet. He later deleted <laughs> Hey, he later deleted the tweet, and it was the, the terminology. I'm sure he's had a shit week, Joe. I'm positive the dude had a crappy week. He insinuated that I said that he pulled himself out of this fight. I never insinuated that he pulled himself out of a pay-per-view main event championship fight. The doctor pulled him out. I know because I asked and I got it confirmed with multiple sources. The doctor pulled him out. He didn't want to. He didn't want to uh, be pulled out of this fight. So when I got back to him, I said, "Okay, maybe didn't make it to five out of seven fights." Is the terminology I should have used? And he said that he didn't even have a bout agreement for two hundred one. I said, "Okay, four out of six is a pretty shit ratio. Yeah, it's a pretty." A pretty rough percentage still, yeah? It's like, what, 66%? That's not good. This is missing weight. This is illness, which cutting weight makes you extremely susceptible to illness. And it's, you know, I'm not, I, I got the blame and it ain't my fault. I didn't sneeze on the guy and give him a cold or a viral infection or whatever. I didn't make the dude miss weight repeatedly i understand he's having a bad bad week and he was looking for someone to take his aggression out on and he later deleted the tweets but hey man i didn't sneeze on your banana or your cheerios or on your your cinnamon rolls or whatever it is that you eat i didn't get you sick sorry well good on you good on you for
2: doing what you had to do and, and speaking your mind and getting engaged with that conversation uh it is frustrating and in my opinion um i hate to say demetrius johnson should wait for ray borg because i mean it's a it's a very winnable fight for demetrius johnson so he could eclipse the record and stand alone uh with the most successful ufc title defenses but the reality is, do you really want to wait for a gentleman that potentially, like you said, at worst has a 66 percent pullout record or change record or something like that? I mean, Dillashaw, Money Fight, or someone?
0: Um, I mean, you you just lost a payday, a big payday. Yeah, one of the one of the, <laughs> the messages were uh, just tired of all you douchebags. He misspelled douche, by the way. So quick to bash us without really knowing what happens, and I'm like. So tell me what happened. I mean, I I sent an email. I sent an email to his his way well before this. I did reach out for comment. I didn't hear back from him. Also, uh, so quick to bash us. I didn't bash anybody. I just I put forth a fact. That was it. He called you a douchebag. Well, I guess it was spelled D-U-C-H-E. So maybe a dush bag. I don't know what a dush bag is though. Okay, so it's not as bad as a douchebag then. And he, you know, he challenged me <laughs> to cut weight and all this stuff, and I'm like, Ray, I'm a journalist, not a fighter. Yeah. I don't ask you to to write my reports for me. I don't ask you to to do the podcasts for me. I don't ask you to tweet on behalf of the, the Fightful Online account, which you all can follow at Fightful Online or at Fightful MMA. I don't ask you to do that stuff, man. He got really upset, and like I said, I'll chalk it up to him having a really bad week, being sick, probably being irritable, and reading into what I said the wrong way. But what I said was factual. He has been set, whether he signed a bout agreement or not, for seven fights. Five of those he did not make it to or missed weight.
2: No no rebuttal whatsoever. Uh there is some comedy happening uh on the live chat. Someone
0: saying that And I feel th- terrible for Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. I do not feel bad for Ray Borg. I feel bad for Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. Well yeah, of course. Absolutely. This is a guy that had a chance to,
2: to eclipse the record. And and of course, get that big payday or a partially big payday. Um, you know, he he's never gonna be a guy that's gonna get massive paydays because of of being a champion at one twenty five, but here he is, he would have been headlining a pay per view. And pay
0: per view points. He'd have got some nice zeros in his bank account, let me tell you. I but- wonder how much money the UFC would have actually walked away with on this show because it wasn't going to do a lot of buys. And mm-hmm. Demetrius, Amanda Nunes, and even Gilbert Melendez get pay per view points on this show. Yeah. Which is. Uh, yeah. Wow.
2: Someone on the chat said uh, Demetrius Johnson was afraid to fight TJ Dillashaw, so the fight never happened.
0: Nah. He, no wanted, he, wanted, he wanted an incentive financially, and
2: I don't blame him. I don't know one fighter that's ever been afraid of fighting another fighter. I know fighters that think it would suck to fight another fighter, but they're never afraid. I doubt it. You don't, you don't get in the, in the, in the face-punching business when you're afraid of people. I don't, I, I, it doesn't work for me. I don't think so. Do you think they can do this fight next month? Yeah. 100%. Or at least 99
0: UFC 216. I don't even know what's on the show. Ferguson and Lee, that's good. Verdum, Derek Lewis, Van Zant, and I. Brooks, Lentz. Mar- yeah. This that that show. Honestly, it could. If you add Mighty Mouse versus Ray Borg to that show, that's that's the fight that that card. I don't want to say needs, but it would it would help that. Yeah, card. It, of course
2: it would. It would be a fantastic <laughs> fight. Why not do it? You know yeah. what could potentially stop that fight? Uh, Ray Borg. Yeah, I was just gonna say I should. I, I couldn't even finish my sentence without you saying that. Yes, okay, I got gotcha. you. But th- they should postpone it. They should. They should bring that fight a month from now. Put it at UFC 216. I think it's October third or October sixth. I hope
0: they do because if Ray Borg doesn't get the shot, I'm probably getting bitched at for it by him.
2: <laughs> He's gonna rip you apart moving forward. I love it. I'm sure he will. Uh, UFC 216 is October seventh.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, do it, man. Why not? I don't see. It's crazy. we got to figure out what we're doing for the podcast next week. I'll be in Orlando. Maybe I can do it from there. But the Triple G Canelo fights that night. So, shit. I, I don't know what's going to go on. Also, I'm trying not to say the F word on the podcast so we don't get demonetized on YouTube. Man.
2: I was unaware of such intel. Thankfully, I don't curse. Yeah, right. Well, I've cursed lately. You, you, you and Jimmy are just bad influences on me.
0: Evidently, Jimmy encourages me on the "Listen Your Boy" podcast, which you all can check out Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern to get you to curse. <laughs> Did you really say that? Oh yeah! Jimmy. Oh yeah! Without a doubt. I love Jimmy. What a mess! All right, cool. Call me an event. What about Dos Anjos? You think he's in line for a title shot now? Granted. Now, oh, here's what I hate to hear. He said after his win over Magny that he's willing to wait for a title shot. And I'm like, no, don't do that. None of that. Uh, Woodley tore his labrum or did something to his labrum. Not, don't wait. You got two wins in the division. Tarek Safney, Neil Magny, impressive, especially the win over Neil Magny. Very impressive. You know, your boy is a big fan of the arm triangle choke, but I think he should be staying active. Instead of just saying he'll wait.
2: Look, I know fights are risks, Sean. I understand it. We all know a fight, a fight, anything can happen. Uh, but the way he took out Neil Magny in impressive fashion, I pictured body shots to overhand rights or body shots. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. What did I say? Body shots, overhand lefts, I think I was mentioning uh, on Tuesday's edition of the Holy Smokes podcast. And I, I thought that was going to be his game plan. But man, that fight went down to the ground and it was just systematic. Just a beautiful, beautiful setup transition. Just moving that, you know, a little flow chart going down that flow chart. Thank you very much. Arm triangle choke. He looked fantastic. I think you're right. I think he does need to continue fighting. Um, don't wait for that title shot. It's just, it's you never know when you're going to get it. You're not getting any younger, son. You got to make money. Put some money away. Uh, it's, it's. You know, I understand there's risk, but. Chances are you're going to fight someone that's higher up in the rankings and you beat them. It's it's just going to
0: raise your stock value. Get her done. By the way, uh, Dos Anjos got a performance of the night bonus. Carlos has a little bit of a typo there. He said that Dos Anjos versus Stevens got fight of the night. Melendez versus Stevens got fight of the night. Dos Anjos, Cejudo get performance of the night bonuses. Yeah, I thought that Magny's reach was going to play a role in this fight, but that was immediately negated by Dos Anjos. Now, I want to put over my friend Residency MMA. Imagine this, Joe. Rafael Dos Anos beats Tyron Woodley for the title. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you, who do you think his first title defense is against? I would go with... Uh, Conor McGregor, that's who I'd go with. Irishman
2: who's on a yacht right now somewhere in Ibiza.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. that's the that's that fight. So there you go. Um, I, I was really intrigued to see this ground battle because Magny is really long and lanky, and Dos Anjos couldn't
2: be one more sec, different. One second, Sean. Uh, if he was to defeat Woodley, he'd get his red panty knight. Oh yeah, because you got Connor. GSP. And GSP would be more than happy to fight Dos Anjos. Believe
0: mm-hmm. me. Well, GSP might have to defi- defend his his title, but. If he has one. Uh, but yeah, the <laughs> being being like completely opposite of Magny physically is what I looked forward to in this. And it didn't disappoint, but Dos Anjos took control. And it's not often you see Neil Magni treated like that on the ground, Joe.
2: No, not at all. I can imagine what Elliot was thinking when he was watching that. Because it was just kind of like, whoa, whoa. I mean, it, it was just a beautiful beautiful i mean who who was the fighter last on last week's show that i was kind of just like this kid's fantastic i was i'm trying to remember who it was um well, leon edwards leon edwards's ground game was just absolutely beautiful uh, in that fight versus brian barbarina but tonight dos Anjos looked just sick he just i mean just the way he did that to, to do that against neil magny just shows you the different levels of grappling. Like when guys have it and guys can execute it, there's diff- there's a difference in having the knowledge and training and drilling something. But to, to be able to execute it is just a different game altogether. And to do it with the risk of being punched in the face, <sighs> very impressed with the science tonight. Very impressed. But remember, this is a guy uh, that won the title by busting up Pettis' uh, face with, a, with or orbital bone uh, that, that, that was really – a love for his striking uh didn't he else i mean he else, he else struck cowboy didn't he like he just destroyed him in the, yeah. in, the in the stand-up room then he met eddie alvarez of course but that was a different story altogether sure. people have that
0: but people forgot about his ground game his jiu game was just fantastic well he reminded people also i gotta put over henry cejudo and i thought he beat benavidez I, man that guy and, and at, tw- at 30 years old, it looks like he's he's just getting better and better and better. He said at the post-fight presser that he wanted to see approval from Demetrius Johnson that he improved, and he got that. He definitely got that. He pieced up Wilson Hayes. At no point was this close. After the first exchange, you could see it was a matter of time before Henry Cejudo did something very naughty to Hayes, and he did. He did. He violated Wilson Hayes.
2: But the thing is, though, like
0: when Elliot he went over the- Stabler was on the scene to handle that violation, <laughs> he was there turning his his chair around backwards, trying to interrogate Henry Cejudo. That was a beat down of epic proportions. If
2: you could, if you were to analyze the way Cejudo was landing those strikes, you would, you you could, do, you can write a chapter on speed. You can write a chapter on distance. You can write a chapter on precision. I mean, he was, it was just, it was such an outclass of a performance that it was mind boggling at times to see how he was landing some of that stuff and the way he was just pouncing on anything Wilson was doing and just making him pay. Uh, going to the cage afterwards and, and trying to get uh, Demetrius's approval is one thing, but a, a certain Sean Ross Sapp, whenever he describes the, the first fight, uh, lends me to believe that Demetrius Johnson doesn't care how good Henry Cejudo looked tonight. He's just like, I'm waiting. You're just another paycheck. No, I'm on another level.
0: Another thing I want to compliment Cejudo on, you see him and you see Sarah McMahon. Now, Sarah McMahon has met some success even after her first loss. And maybe she stepped up her her jab. There wasn't a lot else. She got a little more aggressive and worked on her jab, but other than that, we see her fall into the same, same issues that she 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 gets too complacent. Henry Cejudo isn't complacent, and certainly isn't complacent after the Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson loss. I think he was as embarrassed for himself as I was for him when I saw that complete negation of his of his set of skills that Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson showed him. And boy, did he look awesome. He didn't even worry, like he wasn't concerned about wrestling Wilson Hayes. He was like, I've got this striking and I'm gonna use it, and there ain't a damn thing you can do about it. And if you dare try to wrestle me, we'll see how that goes too. I loved it. I loved the game and uh Henry's and don't let that the fact that he's one and one in his last two fights confuse you. He should be two and oh, and he looked categorically different between the Mighty Mouse fight and the Benavidez fight. So, hats off to him. Fun fact, Joe: WWE wanted him in 2014, and he decided to sign with the UFC.
2: Isn't he too small to do uh, professional wrestling?
0: Well, here's the thing: Vince McMahon has like he wants he want one, First off, he wants a star for the Hispanic market. Mm-hmm. He wanted he wants like Cejudo would have been like the Rey Mysterio. And he's also always had this thing for like a Mighty Mouse character, which is ironic because UFC has a Mighty Mouse character and doesn't promote him. And for decades, Vince McMahon has wanted a Mighty Mouse character because he just loves that, loves that idea. But he ended up signing with, uh, with the UFC. There were also, I wanted to point out, there were a lot of people who talked about the the uh, UFC Reebok kits and stuff. And the one that we mentioned about Demetrius Johnson, and it just says mighty on it. They couldn't put mighty mouse on it. They don't own that. Correct. So they had to just put mighty on there. That's why that happened.
2: I I, I didn't mind some of the, uh, the looks tonight. I know I took some shots at it on, on Tuesday, uh, namely because I couldn't care less about them. And then I saw them. I'm like, "Ah, they're not too bad.
0: They look pretty good tonight. I'm impressed. I mean, Shevchenko's look nice. They look better. Yeah, yeah, I think there needs to be more fighter input, but Thanks. yeah, I um, freedom for the
2: fighters. But you know, I, I think you mentioned on the, on the on the podcast that they should have some sort of sponsor. That'd, that'd mm-hmm. be pretty good. At least give them one sponsor. But I get it. I understand it.
0: Also, uh, before we move on, uh, because we'll have to speed through the rest of this card, Patrick Wyman, who I really respect on Twitter, he said, "I'm not ready to call this a trend yet, but having a couple of champions winning slow paced, uneventful fights is a bad look." I agree, and Joe, I think it's sometimes contagious. Do you I remember when everybody was pumped for that Rashad Rampage fight? It was gonna be a knockout. Rashad said, get a snuggie, I'm gonna put you to sleep. Boy, he put us to sleep all right. And it seemed like every show for the next four or five months, there were at least a a couple of high-profile fights that were just snoozers. A bunch of cage clinching bullshit that we witnessed just (laughs) over and over and i really hope it's not contagious because you know there are there are a few fights coming up a few main events coming up that could happen dave branch is a grappler facing luke rockhold you got shogun versus saint prue and you never know how that'll play out when you get such a flash knockout you got ferguson lee and given their skill sets that could happen uh, that ain't happening for Cerrone and Till though. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I don't think so. But uh, but yeah, we got we got other stuff to talk about uh, besides besides all that. Eular Latifi beat Tyson Pedro, and uh, Latifi has quietly won three of his last four. Tyson Pedro got dragged into deep waters, and the irony is, even though he's never been after uh, one round or been outside of one round. I thought he looked the best in round three. Uh, my, You know, this was a learning experience for Tyson Pedro, and he's still super young, so this isn't going to hurt him or anything. I thought he gave up a little quick on his, his triangle attempts. That was surprising to me. Um, that's really it. Ilar Latifi did what Eler Latifi does, and he is finding success, and good for him.
2: Yeah, Pedro, Tyson Pedro, it sounds weird, but he needed this loss. He needed this experience. He needed to understand that it's a different ball game in the UFC when you start getting past the first round. Um, giving up on that triangle, you can, I guess you could understand it when you're trying to triangle someone that doesn't have a neck uh, or or has got a back the size of a, of a you know a pickup truck. But I get it. I understand it, and I think Tyson Pedro needed this learning experience. I think it's going to be better for it. You know, not everyone goes undefeated. Not everyone has a spectacular run in the UFC that doesn't last that long. So. Good for, you know, good for either. I mean, uh, I don't understand why DC and, and Rogan were calling him Latifi when it's Latifi. They kept calling Latifi all night, but it's Latifi. Uh, and good for him. I don't know what this really means for for Latifi winning this fight because we all know he's not going to ever be a champion in this division. And you know he's never going to fight Gustafson. So we'll see what happens. But Tyson Pedro, it's not the, the last we're going to see of this guy. I think it's going to be fine. I think he's going to learn from this.
0: And we'll see where he goes from here. Yep, I agree with uh, virtually everything you said. Uh, when it comes to Stevens, Melendez, do you think they booked this and said, well, at least one of them's got to win? Uh, no, but
2: I understand your analogy. Um, it, it, it was a tough fight for me to watch. Obviously, Gilbert's someone I've known for a long time. Um, Who's that? Melendez. Oh, Gibbert.
0: Gibbert, you mean? Oh, Gilbert. yeah, yeah, I remember that. He yeah, should yeah. have came back during his USADA suspension with a mask, a luchador mask on as Giblert. <laughs> Gibbert.
2: <laughs> gotcha. But he took, I mean, the minute the fight started and he came out with that stance, I said, there's going to be kicks. There's going to be kicks. So if you're prepared to take the kicks and you start checking them. Awesome. If you don't check them, it's not going to look good. It's not going. Sorry, it's not going to feel good, and it's going to be big trouble in the fight. And very surprised Gilbert didn't didn't check the kicks early on. And
0: you know what? It is what it is. You lose. Gilbert has lost very often recently. He's lost four in a row. He's one in five in the UFC. Has not landed a takedown in the Usada era. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Stevens had a, I thought, a real, his best performance was up until Gilbert fell the first time. Then after that, he got a little more careless. And ironically, Gilbert found the most success that he would have in the fight. My question is what was Nate Diaz saying to Gilbert Melendez in between the rounds? <laughs> did, did you hit him in the face? I don't know then.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I don't know if you should ever have a Diaz in your corner. Unless it's just strictly there for motivation, because um, I, I don't. should know fucking
0: they're... like hit him and stuff. Did you do that? I don't know, dude. No, I got you.
2: Okay. I, I, don't, I don't. I don't. I mean, yeah. they're great training partners. They're fantastic fighters. I don't know that their coaching advice uh, is sound. If that's fair.
0: Yeah. Uh, towards the end of the fight, Stevens was picking his shots. Melendez would get off balance when he switched to Southpaw. Stevens started circling uh through good power shots, mixed in knees which I liked. This was all Stevens and he was he was nice to Gilbert Melendez. I'll say that. He was he showed Melendez a lot of respect and let him go out in a more respectable manner. Do you think this is the last time we see Gilbert? Now, a lot of this depends on his contract, which I don't know the terms of, because he could have like a no-cut clause in his contract that keeps him fighting. I don't think it's the last we've seen of Melendez. Uh, I, I, mean, I mean, I mean, in the UFC. I don't think there's any way it's the last time we see him fight. Not with okay. Scott Coker out there giving people money.
2: Yeah, yeah, that was going to be my, my next point there. I, I think he's got one more fight left in the UFC. I think this is a test at featherweight. Uh, I think he's he's you know he's not in that b j Penn stage where he should not be fighting. I think clearly he made a mistake tonight uh, which was not checking the leg kick and perhaps the stance and uh, something he could learn from but you know his record over the past what four or five fights have not been uh or is, has not been fantastic at all I mean the guy's like what well, he's lost four in a row, five of his last six ain't
0: no way he should be in those rankings at this point no. At this point, and Steven, Steven shouldn't be in the featherweight top 10, much less ahead of Darren Elkins, mm-hmm. who's won like four in a row. Uh, hey, guys, if you are listening on YouTube or watching on YouTube, leave us a thumbs up. Subscribe to us. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Libsan Player FM, all that stuff really helps us. Head over to the Fightful.com forums. Show us some love there. We're always doing contests over there. Uh, lots of cool stuff there. And if you want to check out more of our podcasts, including our archive shows with tons of UFC, WWE, uh, Global Force Wrestling, independent wrestling personalities, head over to fightfulpods.com. There were some happenings on these prelims, too. First off, Sarah Morass's armbar, outstanding. Uh, Evan Smith tried to create space by foot- putting her foot on Morass's face. But if you take a look at Sarah's legs, you know, if she gets that far on an arm bar, you're not getting out of it. It's just a matter of time. Yeah,
2: yeah, it was, it was a great setup, uh, a patient setup. She decided, I'm going for it. I'm keeping it uh, until you give me reason to let go of this thing uh, or, or transition to something else and go right back to guard. I'm going to keep working this thing. Uh, and I mean, she she put the art. She had the attempt on for a good correct me if I'm wrong, at least a minute 30, if not a minute 45 before she actually locked it in. So good on her for staying with it, keeping it tight, adjusting and getting the finish, which is kind of gross as is, but good on her.
0: I mean, this is a girl who hadn't fought in two years, hadn't won in three years because she had a, a big year gap in between her first and second UFC fight. When she was on the Ultimate Fighter, she was like four fights in, and like freshly, like I think when she tried out, she was 24. When she got on the show, she was 25. And to lose, really, I don't want to say lose those years. She fought three times in this period, but uh, those are some key years to miss out on. And uh, that's a bummer. But now she sits at 2-1 and one in the UFC, 4-2 uh, and two if you want to count her ultimate fighter fights. So good for her. I'm glad to see her win, and I'm glad to see her win in Canada. So that that, that was good on her. Uh ref was a little late on the well, I don't want to say late, he, he wasn't there at all. Sarah gave up the arm once she felt it pop. And then afterwards <laughs> when Joe Rogan said, Yeah, I think it popped. She goes, I hope it did. Yeah, I was just like, What <laughs> did you see Sarah? Why would you say that? Oh man, I well, I love it. I thought that I thought it was great for her career that she did. Yeah. Well <laughs> we're while we're talking about refs, I want to talk about judges, Joe. Mm -hmm. If you hear that a 30-24 scorecard exists, what does that tell you about the fight?
2: Uh, There's a good chance the referee should have stopped that damn thing.
0: Yeah, if you get a 30-24 scorecard, then that fight should have never made it to that scorecard. That's why that shouldn't exist. Mm -hmm. Because the fight shouldn't have went that time. What the hell was Gavin Tucker's corner thinking? Gavin Tucker's corner or the ref didn't give a shit about him. He was, looked like he got he looked like he shoved his head into a beehive
2: and said, Bring it on. It's it's a it's the type of fight that when you watch and you look and you're just thinking to yourself, This this is not a good look for anybody. It's not a good look for the fighter winning. It's not a good look for the fighter taking the abuse. It's not a good look for the referee. It's not a good look for the sport. Not a good look for the UFC. Like, there's a reason why there's referees for the safety of the fighter. And in my opinion, I could see that that Gavin was still having those little bursts of fighting back. But then there was just an, a, a, an accumulation, um, you know, of what Rick, Rick Glenn was doing. Is That's it. Let it go. It's done. It's done. He doesn't need any more of this abuse. Take the loss, go back, learn from it, and come back stronger. I mean, I mean, was it Joe that said, or Rogan that said that, you know, this is this is going to haunt Gavin Tucker for a very, very long time? These are the types of beatings that you never forget.
0: Yeah, and the sad thing is, I mean, you know, he's he's a 31, like like I said, he's not a kid or anything, but he'd never experienced that before. Not at least in the case. He was 10 and 0. And also, when he came into the UFC, his thing was that he finished, and he finished often. Yeah. And now he's got two fights. His first fight went to a decision, and he won. The second one, he got his ass just handed to him, and Rick Glenn looked awesome. That, you know, I, I don't want the whole story to be about how bad the ref is and how sad this is for Gavin Tucker, because Rick Glenn looked awesome, especially his clinch work, and especially him creating space, uh, closing distance throwing elbows, throwing knees, throwing uppercuts in that clinch, I thought looked outstanding. Uh, just 28 years old to, to make that. And you know he stepped into the UFC and lost his first fight, and that sucks for him, but he did it in a really, really good fight. So I think he's made quite the impression over his first year in the UFC, and I can't wait to see this guy fight again. But what the hell is he doing with that mustache? <laughs> Not a fan, man. What's he doing? <laughs> I got Mitch no Clark. Mitch Clark retired. That was sad. <clears throat> yeah, it was sad. I mean, but it comes
2: to a point in everyone's career when you realize, okay, you know what? If I can't win uh, against Alex White and my goal is to become a champion one day, it's I've, I've been here long enough, I've taken enough abuse. It's done, it's over. You move on.
0: Sure, I thought this this fight was probably losers probably getting a pink slip anyway. But you know, Mitch Clark can never put it together in the UFC. He had that really, really good, great, awesome, impressive win over Ally Quinta that just keeps looking better every time Ally Quinta fights. Mm-hmm. And he picked up a little extra money for that. But other than that, like the the guy never fought more than once a year in the UFC and First off, if you want to make it a career, you can't do that. It's tough to do it like that, and if you're not making it your career, then it's really tough to make it to those high levels of, of the UFC. So, uh, Yeah, uh, glad to see that he got to go out in Canada, but that was a bummer. Uh, Cajun Johnson's KO was cool, but that fight's not worth ter- talking about. <laughs> I had a lot of people asking about Jinder Mahal, WWE champion, why he wasn't there. Bular uh, spoke after his win, said that because Jinder Mahal lives in Tampa, that he had to tend to his four properties, his dog, things like that, wasn't able to make it up to Edmonton. So that's why no Jinder Mahal, no uh, modern-day Maharaja at UFC 215. Joe, anything else coming out of this show?
2: Uh, I think, like I said, the biggest loser in this show uh, was not Valentini Shevchenko was the fact that Sarah McMahon had a title shot gone I think she would have got that title shot and other than that that that's pretty much the basics there I mean we, we talked about Suhudo being absolutely fantastic and Dosanya potentially in line for a title shot don't wait for it take it take another fight but other than that uh your little
0: tiff with uh Ray Borg was fantastic I don't know I don't have anything against Ray Borg it was fun it was nice content for the show Ray, I hope you get your title shot, and I hope when you do it, you're healthy, and you make weight, and you do well. Best of luck. But um, we are back Tuesday with the Holy Smokes MMA podcast at 3 p.m. Eastern, and of course we have post-Raw, post-Smackdown shows. Got to figure out what we're going to do with the MMA show, the boxing show. I got to figure that out. I'll be in Orlando at that time. Maybe we'll do a show Sunday. I don't know what the hell we'll do. Uh, but you could also check out the List and Your Boy podcast, another one of our flagship shows, along with Holy Smokes. Wednesday, 3 p.m. Eastern. You can check out all of our shows at FightfulPods.com. Use our forums. Also, we're going to be changing our uh, posting method on Fightful.com. Interested to see how that works out, uh, probably in about a week and a half or so. We got all your news, results, photos, videos, podcasts. Anything you can ask for over at Fightful.com. And you can support us by going to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Fightful. Got plenty of shirts up there for you. Joe, what else you got, my friend? That's it. Looking forward to next weekend's show. Kamar Usman's on that show.
2: Uh, over the next UFC show. Uh, for Tuesday's Holy Smokes podcast, if all goes well and you think Ch- or John Jones cheated oh yeah i know somebody that will join us hopefully fingers are crossed that will confirm that john jones cheated and or explain why he believes people like john jones can take something after the weigh-ins and can have it disappear out of their system within a certain period of time but john got caught so we'll we'll I'll, I'll find out more tomorrow uh, if he can join us on Tuesday. But uh, after speaking with him, and I said, "Would you mind coming on the podcast?" He said, "Yeah, why not?" And I said, <laughs> "All right, we will get this done." So hopefully, cross my fingers. Uh, you you want to tune in to Tuesday's podcast? Pay attention to my social media at Showdown Joe uh, and Sean's at Sean Rossap. If I can confirm this interview and I can get it recorded uh, on record, it will air uh, on Tuesday
0: couple of quick notes before I wrap it up. Uh, David Shaw, UFC exec, says that there was an inflow of, of refunds after the Demetrius Johnson fight was canceled, but ticket sales afterwards exceeded the refunds. They did a live gate of 2.03 million. Attendance was 16,232. He also mentioned GSP's return as being a shot in the arm for Canadian business. So we'll have more on that Tuesday. Follow us cross-platform at Fightful Online and Fightful.com. Until next time, guys, we're out.